On today's episode of Locked On Jayhawks, we're joined by Nick Schwert to talk KU football and Jalen Daniels. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN. And thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we're joined by Nick Schwert, producer of Cody and Gold on 610 in Kansas City, host of Wave in the Wheat podcast and basketball friends. So we're going to be talking some Jalen Daniels and KU football. But first, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Nick joins us now. Nick, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, does this Does this feel weird at all with me being the host and you being on the other end? No, it doesn't feel weird at all. In fact, it's it feels better than normal because okay. I don't have to do as much work and therefore there's less pressure on me to perform or say anything insightful. Well, on today's show, like I said, we're going to be talking some Jalen Daniels. And, you know, the way last season finished, it felt like all offseason it was leading up to this point. Lance Leipold then goes and I think the first day of fall camp, which I don't know why they call it fall camp. It's like 100 degrees and says that Jalen Daniels is going to be the week one starter. And he kind of left a little bit of a door open there that he said, yeah, but there's still going to be a competition and everything is up for grabs and everything. And since then, we've heard that Jason Bean has been playing the best football of his life and, and he's had all these great practices. But I think it would still probably be pretty surprising if, if Jalen wasn't the week one starter in the end there. And, and I don't know. Like, is this the most stability that it felt like that it has felt like for KU football at the quarterback position since Todd Reesing? Like, are you kind of buying into the idea that it's just going to be this fine and dandy for the entire season? Um. Yeah, I am, and I think it's more about the coaching staff. And when you think about the stability that not just Leipold's had, but with Andy Kotelnicki for all the years he's been with him, with Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator, all these guys. They were with him at Wisconsin Whitewater and then went with him to Buffalo where they didn't win right away. And I think that's important to remember too, because when you're not winning, uh, that's when coaches can start to feel the pressure. We've seen that here at Kansas. That's when you start pointing the finger, firing guys, firing offensive coordinators. We saw that with uh, Charlie Weiss and David Beatty and Les Miles. Like All of those guys were constantly changing things. And when, when that's how the guys at the top of the food chain – are operating that kind of trickles down and we saw that happen with the quarterbacks as well so i think it's a chicken versus the egg scenario as well where you you wonder okay is was the lack of stability from a play caller standpoint the reason that no quarterback could ever get comfortable and produce but you have that stability now with the coaching staff and it's not as much as i trust lance leipold when he says that jalen daniels is going to be the quarterback this year as much as i just look at his track record said okay this is a guy who has had stability around him everywhere he's been. He's been, and if if Jalen Daniels is that guy, week one, unless he is an you know, abject failure at the quarterback position this year, I don't expect him to, you know, week three, week four, week five, all of a sudden turn to Jason Bean to try and switch something up. Yeah, and I think that's good to point out. Like you look back at, like you said, the track record there. You look at what he did at Buffalo and. 
I don't know, when he was at Buffalo, there were a few quarterbacks that played in a few seasons, but for the most part, you know, those seasons were where guys got injured. And, like, there were points last year where it's not like Jason Bean blew it away every game, right? He had the Oklahoma State game where he went 3 of 10, had two interceptions. He had the Texas Tech game where he went 11 of 21 for 80 yards and an interception. The Iowa State game was a non-competitive game. Goes 10 for 20 for 120 yards. The Baylor game, 8 of 17 for 57 yards. Like, there were other points throughout last season that they could have easily just pulled the plug and said, hey, let's go with the other guy. I think uh, to that point, if they find this is the guy we're going to stick with, you know, that that's going to be the guy. Like, if they make that immediate decision, they're going to say, hey, there's a reason we made that immediate decision. Let's stick with it. Really, the big question to me is just, is there going to be enough health? Because, I mean, Jalen Daniels got beat up as a, a freshman. We saw him miss games due to injury last year. Like, the reason Jason Bean lost time to Jalen Daniels and eventually he took over and ran with it was because Jalen Daniels came in for an injured Jason Bean in the Kansas State game and took the job from there, got the start against Texas because Jason Bean couldn't start. That's the biggest worry for me. I know the offensive line improved at the end of last season, but like, do you ever go into a season just going, yeah, that quarterback's never going to take a bunch of big hits? No, but do you think that this coaching staff didn't know that Jalen Daniels was a higher upside player all season because this remember Jalen Daniels came in and he was what 17 his freshman season as a true freshman and I wonder if if they even went into last season knowing that okay this kid's probably our best quarterback and this kid's probably got more potential higher upside but Jason Bean is more stable he is older more mature he is better suited to lead us right now like, I know the way it played out was because of injuries, but there's part of me that thinks that the coaching staff knew what Jalen Daniels was capable of, and they weren't completely shocked when he came in and was a better option at quarterback the last month of the year. Yeah, it's important to bring up that, going back to the injury conversation, like he was hurt at the beginning of camp last year. And so uh, for a staff that took over so late, if they've only seen four weeks of ball before they have to make that decision – and Jalen Daniels is injured for two or three of them, of course they're going to go with Jason Bean. And then, of course, you can see Jalen Daniels kind of be the guy over the course of time. I do think it's interesting, too, that just based on some of the comments we've heard from the coaches along the way here, it, it almost feels like um, Jason Bean is is almost the better practice quarterback, but that's not, like, new to, to the KU position. Like, you would hear stories all the time about Todd Reesing being, like, a terrible practice quarterback or other pass – like – I was talking to someone who was telling me Bill Whittemore wasn't a good practice quarterback, but once the game came on, they were the guy between the lines. And I think there is a little bit of that. Todd Reesing was an infamously terrible practice quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can, Go ask anybody who played with him. They're like, because they're gamers, right? Like, and Jalen Daniels is that to a T where, like, some guys have that in them. And I'm not saying that they don't care or they don't try during practice. It's just that extra level of intensity that brings the best out of guys like that. All right, we have to uh, move aside real quick. After this quick break in the action here, I want to talk about what are kind of the actual realistic expectations of the season for Jalen Daniels in terms of impact and stats. And then uh, I got a fun question for you on the other side. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf 
which is a Nick Schwartz favorite. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today to use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. And obviously, you're going to want to get your futures bets in before the start of the football season. I don't know. I think I'm leaning the over on the two and a half for KU football. Bet online where the game starts. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Scott Chasen, and uh, we'll talk some more KU football. We're going to have a What If Wednesday with Scott where we kind of look into some hypotheticals with Scott. Um, so, Nick, as I was mentioning in the previous side, realistic expectation for Jalen Daniels coming into this season. You know, uh, you look at the total QBR that he put together in the three and a half games that he played, it would have been the second best quarterback in the Big 12. But putting those expectations on Jalen Daniels seem a little high coming into the season. So what is your actual realistic expectation, and what do you think the stats would back it up? Because uh, there is a world where Jalen Daniels, maybe he is the fifth best quarterback in the Big 12. But when you look at all the pieces around him, are they going to run a lot? What does the receiver core look like? Maybe the stats don't back that up. Yeah, so to me with, with Jalen, when I think about his season, either from a statistical point of view or if we're just talking about, you know, watching him on Saturdays, how impressed are you? It's a lot about the environment around him and it's a lot about how the rest of the offense is performing. And I don't say that to to cop out of, of giving you an answer, but when you look at that those final three games for KU last year, the Texas game is the one that sticks in everyone's head. And even though Jalen was kind of the guy who made the play that we remember, KU was in that game because Devin Neal was incredible and Texas turned the ball over four times. And if you want to look at it differently, you would just say that KU had four takeaways. And those last, I think it was the last three games, KU had eight takeaways defensively. So Jalen was given the opportunity to, to continue to put up numbers and to, to make the plays down the stretch because of other things that were happening around him. So to me, like, if I can't answer that question unless I know, is the offensive line going to play like they did the last three weeks of the season? Is Devin Neal going to emerge as one of the top four or five running backs in the Big 12 this year? And can that defense continue to – we know it's not going to be a stout defense. We know it's not going to be a defense that uh, keeps the other team from moving the chains. But can you be a bend but don't break, you know, big play, opportunistic type defense? If, if all of those things happen – I think Jalen statistically can have the best season that we've seen from a Kansas quarterback since Todd Reesing. And right now that, distinct, that distinction would belong to Carter Stanley's last year. I think it was tw- I think it was 24 and 11, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And that was in a Les Miles offense. So if, regardless of what you think about this coaching staff, I think that stability that we talked about earlier, that to me leads to – Quarterbacks getting comfortable, whether it's Daniels, Jason Bean, whoever. You get more comfortable. You've got a, a running game that you can rely upon. And and making the plays that come to you, that to me is the big thing with Jalen. Like, can you be the guy who's not just making the off-script stuff, but standing in the pocket, watching things happen around you, and sort of dicing up the defense, being that sort of tactical-style quarterback? If he can do that, like, I don't see why this guy couldn't put up 25-26. I know that that seems – unrealistic just because of the history of quarterback play over the last 12, 13 years at Kansas. But I would be hard pressed to name another quarterback in the last decade who's had more talent than Jalen Daniels has had at Kansas. Is there any, I mean, from just a pure talent standpoint, 
Do, is there anybody else who you would put ahead of Jalen in the last 13, 14 years of Kansas football? I mean, I was I was really high on Tyreek Starks for a minute, but no, outside of that, I mean, he's more talented than Carter Stanley. But yeah, well, Carter wouldn't even be number one, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't put Carter number one in that list. He ended up having the best career. He ended up having the most production. But in terms of talent, like I would probably put Montel Cozart. Yeah, Cozart, Ryan Willis. Both guys who went on to have success in other programs, uh, more stable programs, and like right away too. It didn't take him an extra year or two years. Like Ryan Willis went to Virginia Tech immediately, really productive. Carter or Montel Cozart goes to Boise State immediately, was better than he ever was at Kansas. It's not as if they became different players overnight, Derek. Like it's it's the stability. And I'm, when is the last time? There's another question. When is the last time a quarterback? at Kansas was entering his second season as a starter with the same offensive coordinator he had the year before. No, it doesn't happen. Even the year with Carter Stanley, he wasn't the starter headed into the year. It was like a big question. And, and remember, I mean, in the Miles to Go series, it's like the Boston College game. He almost got benched. Yeah. So I think the the, the fact that Jalen's going to have a second year in a system, and it's not just a system where it's uh, – whether it's, you know, Brent Deerman or oh – man, they could play – have a fun trivia game trying to name the eight different offensive coordinators. John Reagan, Rob Likens, Doug Meacham, David Beatty, Chip Lindsey. Forgot about Chip Lindsey. Never even called a game for KU. Les Canning, Brent Deerman, Mike DeBoard. And now you've got Andy Kotelnicki going into his second year. And like KU could, KU could go uh, winless this year. And Andy Kotelnicki will be back at Kansas as long as Lance Leipold is. Yeah, I think three of those coordinators on the list with Koenig and DeBoard and uh, I forget the other one uh, would have Deerman. less Deerman. Well, I don't know. It would have less career games than Kotelnicki just combined. Right. So that that's sort of that because we always we always ask the question during those years of. Is the lack of production from the quarterback, is it attributed to the ever you know, the, the revolving door at OC or is, is the lack of talent at quarterback the reason why the offenses can't produce? We're going to find out over the next couple of years because we know Andy Kotelnik is not going anywhere. As long as Lance Leipold's here, which I have no reason to think he's not going to be here for the next four years, then you're going to have the same play caller. And we're going to find out, like, what stability at the coaching staff level can do for these players. And Daniels has the talent. Like in any of those guys, Brent Deerman, who brought him to Kansas, like he would be the first to tell you, like this kid has it. It's now, can you put all the other pieces together to make a, a you know, a successful college quarterback? Okay. Here is uh, my fun little hypothetical for you. You are obviously a Heisman voter, uh, something that I know you take a lot of pride in. What has to happen to get a Kansas player, a Heisman vote? Like if Kansas goes bowling after the long, just awful period that they've had. They go six and six, seven and five, and Devin Neal rushes for two thousand yards, or Jalen Daniels throws for thirty-five touchdowns. Like, is that enough? Well, let's start with because I would say, and oddly enough, even though you almost have to be a quarterback at this point, let's say that Kansas goes bowling. Even at even at a running back spot, you'd have to have two thousand yards and like twenty eight touchdowns. Seriously, who, who Kenneth Walker, Michigan State last year, uh, he had 
1,600 yards, 18 touchdowns. Michigan State went 11-2. and two. He didn't finish in the top three. Yeah, but we're grading so on to, a curve. We're grading on a curve. It's Kansas football. What's the football. curve? It's Kansas football. <laughs> okay. Um, so you would just, like, give them bonus points, be like, he did it at Kansas. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not going up against Big Ten defenses every week like <laughs> Kenneth Walker was. So I think it would have to be Jalen Daniels for that reason alone. It's so impossible. Even though I think Dan, like Devin Neal is the most talented player on this roster, you're at the wrong position in 2022 if you want to win the Heisman, which sucks, honestly. I think we're starting to see a little bit of a curve towards maybe giving more credence to defensive players like we saw you know, Aiden Hutchinson and um, Will Anderson. I think he's got a great shot this year from Alabama. But it's still, there's just there's just some sort of faux pas about voting for running backs based off of the, the, the impact they have, even though I do think they have more impact at the college level than they do in the pros. So Jalen Daniels then, let's go with him. What would Jalen Daniels' stat line have to be? I still think you got to win like eight games. Like you have to win eight Even on the Kansas curve, you got to win eight games. So let's just start there. But I guess in this hypothetical scenario, if you win eight games or if you have a Heisman candidate, they kind of go hand in hand. If you have a Heisman candidate, a quarterback, you're probably going to win a lot of games. How often do you see like one of the best quarterbacks in the country and they're like a 500 team? So let's assume Jalen Daniels becomes one of the best quarterbacks in the country. KU wins eight games. What about 38 and six? And then he's got seven rushing touchdowns. Okay, so if that happens, you will vote for him. I promise? Yeah, well, because, you know, I don't don't, don't know if there are rules against this, but I'm willing to break a rule today if there is one in place. If Jalen Daniels goes 38-6 and with seven rushing touchdowns and Kansas wins eight games, I will place one of my three votes, right? You've got three. When you vote, you vote for first, second, and third. One of those spots on my ballot will be reserved for Jalen Daniels. That's a promise. Okay, we got the promise. Well, Nick, I appreciate it, man. Uh, Excited to have you on every Tuesday. Thanks, Derek. Looking forward to it. All right, that was Nick Schwert. Going to have him on every Tuesday here with Locked On Jayhawks. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to continue on with our series of the top 10 questions we're excited to get answered for the KU football season. Yesterday on Locked on Jayhawks, we answered the number 10 question that we're most excited to get answered for the KU football season. We move up to number nine on the list today. And the question, can the offensive line carry over how they finished last season? You look up and down the list. You look at maybe pro football focus grades. You just look at the tape. You look at the the pure numbers of KU and their success offensively, whether it's yards per play, yards per carry, however you want to dice it. The KU offensive line played miles better over the final three, four weeks than they did over the first eight or nine weeks of the regular season. Obviously, there are exceptions in there. You know, the offensive line was able to get a good push in the game against Oklahoma, and there were moments against Coastal Carolina they were able to do the same thing. But more consistently so, and against Big 12 competition, they really showed it off in the last three weeks of the regular season. You would think with the continuity of starters back, that that would be the case. Like, you just go across the offensive line. Earl Bostick uh, starting at left tackle for this year's team. Okay, he was a double-digit game starter a season ago. Mike Nowitzki back at center, double-digit game starter a season ago. Michael Ford played a ton of football for you last season, projects to be one of your starting guards this season. Then you have Armaje Adams-Reed, who took more of a step back last season as as kind of a a backup rotation player who played a few games, took a red shirt, but did play a lot in 2020, and – 
I think that given his weight transformation and everything, he's a guy that a lot of people are high on and certainly has experience in his past. And then Bryce Cabledew, who played a lot for you last season and really took off as the season went on. I mean, if you're looking at guys who improved the most by like pro football focus grade, Cabledew had kind of the biggest rise over those last few games of offensive linemen for KU. Having all those guys back who have experience, experience playing together, we hear that all the time with the offensive line, that chemistry is of the utmost importance on the offensive line. It just is. And so to have guys that have played together, in addition to having another year in the system and with offensive line coach Scott Fuchs and with everything that Andy Kotelnicki wants to do and Lance Leipold with the offense, all those things should make you think it should be even better than how it finished last season. You had this whole offseason to get together. But also, we've seen in the past KU offensive lines struggle early in the season, come together as the season goes on. I think that's certainly because of the chemistry playing with each other. That's the position that maybe you have the most to gain for every team across college football as the season goes on. The big question for the offensive line, I, I guess the question in the question here, is how much will the lack of proven depth be a hurdle to allowing them to carry over how they finished last season and the way they finished last season it didn't all of a sudden turn into hey this is an Alabama or Georgia or a Michigan or whatever offensive line but it came from an offensive line that wasn't getting any push early in the season and was giving up way too many tackles for loss way too many chaotic plays that would put you in second and nine second and 11 second and 12 where you're not going to be on schedule and your quarterback and the rest of your plays aren't going to be as successful you're not going to have as open of a playbook but as the season went on and in those last games you were able to stay on schedule and have more of that success on just kind of you know your first down making it second and six or second and five and that led to the offense putting up 28 points in the last two games, 57 in the game against Texas. It allowed your skill players, would you have a really good running back uh, room right now, and you seem to have a good quarterback room as well, it allows them to show off their abilities. So how much can they carry it over? I would think a good amount. And that will be a little worrisome if you're not creating a push early in the season because then maybe the answer would not quite be there but if there is some injuries if there are some issues where the backups have to come in that's where I think the biggest hurdle comes in it's not just that maybe the backups haven't played as much with the starters but it's that there's a lot of unproven depth there like right you have Nolan Gorsica who's the transfer over from Buffalo uh, DeAndre Doran who was a double digit game starter for Buffalo a season ago but hasn't played with these guys he was a freshman last season so it's not as if he even got to play with Mike Nowitzki and Michael Ford when they were there how much is Dominic Pooney going to get playing time right he's a transfer who had a lot of success but at the division two level how much of a jump is that so if there are any injuries which at the offensive line typically you can expect there's going to be guys who get tired or get injured throughout a game throughout a season and so typically you need about eight to ten guys you feel confident in who can play on that offensive line and who can play together to get through a season. There are going to be guys who, yeah, I can play left guard or right guard, or I can play left guard and left tackle, and that's going to allow you to maybe cover it with three good backups. And maybe KU does have that, but it's a bit more unproven. So can they carry over how they played, how the offensive line looked at the end of last season, and all of a sudden bring that into this season? 
I think the offense improving back to our first episode to what they need to to be a more competitive team to win three or four games, it has to do what it did at the end of last season. I mean, KU gathered 17 tackles for loss on defense. They gave up 12 over the last three games. Over the first nine games of the season, they were out TFL'd by you know double digits by uh, a couple dozen. And to turn that around over the last three weeks and be plus five there, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. And sure enough, the success came to play. And because they have so many bodies back, I'm expecting similar success. But if you get any injuries, that's where the problems arise. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Scott Chasen to talk some more KU football. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along on the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked On Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Truck Sports Talk later today. Deuces.